Hello and welcome to Silent Noise. I'm Gabe. And I'm Manira. And we're the only podcast that you need to listen to to hear about the people who don't get heard. We listen to the experiences of independent artists and talk about the life that is censorship in the music industry. All right, so let's just talk, let's talk about a bit about music because this is what the podcast is about. What does music mean to you, just in general? What in, does it mean to you? In general, it, I think it's... I, I play a lot of music and I listen to a lot of music. So I find it very important, not only through uh, something you can like just listen to when you're cleaning your house, or it's just something that gen- generally makes me feel quite good and happy whenever I'm doing it. It can change your emotions rapidly, I believe. Mm. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I use it to relax, unwind. I feel like music played a big part in my youth, especially because like- Oh yeah. I used it a lot as a as a way of empowering myself in a sense. Um, and just like different genres of music will get you feeling different types of way, obviously, but just like, I don't know. A, a, a big part of music for me is what it stands for is what it, the message it's conveying. If it sort of like spurs me on to, to take action in any sort of yeah. way, whether that's self-improvement or that, or whether that's like outreach or community, like just like just like finding people who, who like the same sort of music, that in and of itself is um, a, a, something that music has brought into my life, you know what I mean? And I think that's... I do you ever have, you spoke about like being in like your childhood and all this sort of stuff, do you ever have like songs that like bring you back to yeah. fond memories? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah Which definitely. ones? Um, See, okay, this is, it's going to sound scripted and planned, but I swear it's not because like growing up, I listened to low key. Like, um, mm. like when I was 11 years old, I was first introduced to low key by my, my siblings and, um, Loki's low key, if you guys don't know, is a British rapper, uh, and an activist. I think listen, literally listening to some low key tracks, especially from his album, Dear Listener, Dear Listener, that takes me right back to like, to like when I was 11, 12 years old, listening to him for the first time. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say low key. Sounds thing. sounds very different to mine because yeah. like my mum always used to play No Electric Six. No, you heard the song Gay Bar by Electric Six. No, I haven't actually. Oh my that? god, wait, I'll show you. Let me show you. Okay, it. play it, play it for the audience. I don't know if we're actually going to be able to play this part, but, yeah, well, but show me well. anyway. This is going to be removed due to copyright uh, laws. Copyright laws. I think yeah, it's yeah. just the fact it's a shit song. So what genres do you find yourself generally gravitating towards? So I play in a hardcore punk band and punk is often very, very political. Well, I think that's a whole point of it effectively is to make you want to punch someone in the face and because they have a different opinion to you, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And, uh, so I find myself listening to a lot of punk. I listen to a lot of folk music as well, uh, which is quite the contrast. Uh, Irish traditional music, uh, rap too. Like genuinely, I'll listen to anything from uh, funk, from uh, like Arabic funk, to uh, screaming death metal. Like I have really no sort of bounds of genre, <laughs> as long as it's not like cringy. Yeah, I agree. I I relate to to, to a degree. I mean, yeah, I do relate. It's just, um, I don't know. I don't feel myself confined to one 
specific genre. I, I'm all over the all over the place. On the concept of that, like... in the whole podcast, we're focusing heavily on the censorship of music. Mm. Do you think that uh, often listeners almost censor, them sh- censor themselves in the fact of restraining themselves to a few genres rather than giving themselves a chance to experience different things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of different factors can come into that as well. Just the, the concept, there's just the idea of censoring yourself and just like limiting what genres you engage in, engage with, and just like what artists you listen to. And the reasons behind why you'll like do that. Like hanging around with certain people yeah. or like or the like place that, you're from. Or like what, uh, where your politics align best or just like, yeah, there are loads, loads of different reasons. But I mean, I guess obviously like, loads, of people, loads of people do simply just like one genre better than others, which is absolutely fair All enough. I'm saying is if you listen to Ed Sheeran, you're a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just, just going off of that. Um, about how some people might uh, limit what genres they listen to based on maybe politics. Do you think that politics does come into music in any in any way? I think it has to come into music hmm. uh, rather than if it comes. It has to because often when people write music, it's based around experiences that have happened to themselves, and it is, it's like it's often a voice for marginalised people to be able to put out to a world of people who don't quite understand the things they've been through. And if people are listening to something day in and day out because they like a song, they're going to listen to the lyrics, <laughs> realistically. Yeah. So if you think of NWA in the 90s, there are people, like white middle-class people from Britain, thinking, oh yeah, like, fuck, like singing, singing fuck the police and stuff mm. like that. And you're like, well, you've probably never had a run-in with the police unless <laughs> your dad's been done for tax avoidance. <laughs> like, you, you, don't, you don't really, like, think about it. But if people are constantly listening to messages mm. through music whether it's heartbreak or love or mm. like telling the police to fuck off yeah they're going to take in on board eventually some parts of it yeah yeah i agree it's just like there's the, there's the whole idea of pipelines as well yeah like starting off from like i don't know you listen to a song because you just like the way it sounds and then suddenly you're going from one album to the next exactly. or like one artist to the next and just being like recommended different artists and then suddenly you're 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 listening to yeah. a very, very politically charged song, whether that's on the right of the spectrum, whether that's on the left, whether that's very centrist, but it's just like one way or another, you uh, politics exactly does I infiltrate. Mean, you've got to think about the amount of people who must have listened to Rage Against the Machine in the nineties or the eighties, mm. thinking, "Oh, this is like a really sick rock song," yeah. and then in the midst of it, it's all telling you to like, "I won't do what you tell me," all this sort of shit, in <laughs> yeah. it. and they don't even think about it because they're just listening to it it's the amount of Instagram posts that Rage Against the Machine do where they're mm. supporting politics or like uh, left wing politics and people being like stay out of your stay out of politics just do music it's like well if you listen to their music mm. you'd understand that it's never not been about politics yeah and to force someone to, to narrow themselves down to one thing is almost brain dead mm. yeah do you think do you even know that politics well has to in your words has to like come into music in in a sense should it uh in your opinion not necessarily with every single song because it's often i feel it's important that there are songs that involve hatred or love or uh like revenge or all these other emotions but in in reality you experience all those emotions as well through politics yeah. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. you can't like if you're getting like 
if you have massive prejudice towards you through a political party, you're going to fucking hate them at the end of the day, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And that's exactly the same as like, not, maybe not exactly the same, but it's a similar feeling to like hating, having like hating like an ex-partner or mm. something like that. It's similar. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Maybe Taylor Swift and Loki aren't too far off from each other. So real. <laughs> so real. Politics, yeah, like you said, it's contextual. At the end of the day, whether or not politics should make its way into music, it depends on what you're listening to. If you're listening to, like, D&B, like, just, like, instrumentals as well, just, like, it's not gonna come in because there's no lyrics. But, like, like... Well, you see the D&B bike rides against the police and stuff like that. It obviously unites people under yeah. one thing. Yeah. So even then, you could say it's not necessarily the music, but the group that's associated with the music. Mm. But also, that takes us on to the topic of, of censorship, just in general, yeah. I reckon. It's just... Artists that talk about things that... Don't appeal to the masses, or don't appeal to the certain uh, pipeline mm. that politicians necessarily want, mm-hmm. or whether it's something that they can necessarily promote well. Mm-hmm. It's very... Uh, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about censorship. What is censorship in relation to what we're talking about music? I think censorship is the inability to get music out there because of the message that you're spreading. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about previously with Loki, where he was saying where uh, he was saying things that didn't really appeal to all these larger record labels or. Uh, news outlets or radio stations when you have something that doesn't appeal to people well not to people but to these large corporations that are more than willing to spread stuff by Rupert Murdoch or corporations like that that fund them when you have something that's going against that why would they want to put something out yeah (laughs) exactly at the end of the day a lot of these music industries or just like music platforms Spotify uh, Apple Music just radios news outlets all of this stuff they're about profiteering. Oh yeah, and like I'm guarantee you now, if the the most politically charged thing I can think of right now is like obviously like I said previously punk music, mm. and I guarantee you if I searched punk on shows of Spotify radio that they made for it, wouldn't be anywhere near politically charged. Yeah, it comes down to what these platforms want to push based on what they believe will get the most listeners, what they believe will get won't get as much of a negative feedback or negative reaction from their listeners and these playlists that like say spotify makes it's what is most appealing censorship buzzword for today yeah censorship censorship so we talk about censorship in the grand scheme of things like how industries will censor independent artists or not just independent artists artists they're the artists that they've got signed with them how on the on the larger scale they'll be censored or with their lyrics or with what sort of videos they put out even with the places where they'll play them yeah places where they'll pay, play them exactly but we i want to talk a little bit about self-censorship and an animate kierkegaard and jonas otterbeck who i've done a bit of reading about talk a lot about this self-censorship why do artists feel the need to self-censor what pressures are on them both externally and internally and how artists even before they get signed onto a a record label or just even before they start putting music properly out there how even when writing sitting in their bedroom writing their lyrics they'll think how does this appeal how will i make the most money out of this how will this get me the most listeners 
and what can I what can I say and what can't I say? Mm. You know what I mean? How how that sort of infiltrates their mind, how society will react to what they put out there. Um, Kierkegaard also talks about this concept of social peace and sort of a point that censorship can be relating to safeguarding to secure said social peace. And like, how far does this go and where does this line between censorship for safeguarding reasons and censorship for political and oppressive reasons? How does it, how far does it go? Like, where is that line? I feel like in regards to it, it often goes into the communities of the people and what they listen to. Mm-hmm. When you go to a pop show or something like that, the people there are from vastly different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And there's no sense of community. You go there because you're there to see an yeah. artist. If you go to these genres that are small or to shows that are smaller but based around more politically headed stuff or stuff that actually have a meaning like a meaning or a force behind things they're saying, then you're going to meet people that are like-minded. Like, you often will find yourself going to things not only because the person you like's playing there but because you get to see your friends. Yeah, yeah. And... I'm sure you've experienced it with like low key and stuff mm-hmm. like that. When you said you met your mate there yeah. and stuff like that, you're not entirely going for the performance. You're going there to meet like-minded people. Yeah, yeah, the and community when, aspect. Exactly, and when you start to blend the what you were saying with the self censorship before, you start to blur the lines of what your audience is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that aspect, it can often. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it can often mean that more people who don't associate themselves with the beliefs of the actual writer or the singer, it can cause a very mismatched community mm. and it will affect people, it will affect the longevity of the whole thing because you go from being this person who would target you, I don't know, I'm going to use like a really niche reference, there's a band called Rat Boy from a few years ago, they were like these skater, shithead, scumbags. Mm. And the people who went to go see him were skater scumbags. Yeah. <laughs> and they all like got along because they were all like that. Then they released an album that was heavily nothing like they'd ever done before. Mm. And they started to bring in people who were sort of just there for a bit of a laugh and all that sort of stuff. And they raised the community of it. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess like sort of go into the idea of like, or, or just like the question of, what is the purpose of music and specifically live music or finding finding something to see that unity between people in my audience within like the people who are listening like what is it that ties them together to each other and to me exactly. and to the then to the wider world or whatever mm. you're talking about and i think it's it is really beautiful to just see what what music can do for people So we reached out and spoke to an artist called Yusuf Yellow, who shared his insights on what censorship is to him, how it has affected him as an individual, and how it affects musicians on a wider scale, and what we can do as people, as a community, to push back against it. How are you? How's it going? It's going good, thank you. How have you been? Nice one. Yeah, no, really good, thank you. Really good, just... um got back from Leeds recently um, after doing a couple of shows which is nice I had a few shows and then I've just come back and yeah just back to the grind really back yeah. to working do you do you think you've ever like found yourself 
self-censoring in any way or maybe even just an impulse to I don't know change a particular lyric maybe like a knee-jerk reaction to something you've written thinking it was too different or niche or at risk of getting a negative response has that ever like affected you personally in your in your personal experience being an artist I don't know if there's been like specific moments where I was like ah I want to talk about that but I probably shouldn't Mm. it was kind of more so as time went on just the realization of like the importance of speaking on certain things because from the start for me it's kind of that my writing is all just a reflection of my experience and kind of my journey and my truth I guess um and that's what I try and value is the most important thing Mm. unless it's kind of just like abstract kind of storytelling stuff where it's you know you can experiment more and not necessarily just be talking about your life or your experience but um in terms of censoring things um you know I did this show recently for Palestine Action in Leeds where I kind of did like this big spoken word performance at the start talking about my experience of you know seeing how the things that happened in Palestine have kind of had affected my family Mm. and how there's kind of been a knock-on effect of certain behaviors that have kind of led to me kind of being the way I am now and um and you know it felt great to kind of express that and then work with Palestine Action to like raise the money and I see like you know artists such as Loki being very active very politically active and you know really being very kind of just putting it all on the line and I think I'm trying to figure out like how I can do that but then not like do you know what I mean? Mm. Not push it so far that I end up getting cut off or censored by these bigger media outlets yeah. and then yeah, like I'm not able line. to operate mm. in a space where I can spread the message to a wider audience. So I'm trying to think to myself at the moment, what can I do right now to um to build this platform up so that I can get to a point where I can do those things and not worry about just being cut off do you know what I mean yeah yeah. I I find that really interesting like trying to find that sort of balance between Mm. the the message that you're trying to send out there and also trying to still like have this as a life and like have that as a a career because at the end of the day it's not really fair for you to Mm. fight for something but also be cut off from like making any money at all or like sort of that's it and that's and it's also if no one can hear it then like you know what I mean yeah 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 exactly um, exactly it might be incredibly difficult so it's um, and the way that like a lot of like music platforms as well music sharing platforms will like push certain songs more than other songs and it's just like push certain artists more than others yeah yeah. it's just really interesting like Um, dynamic there that you have to like find the perfect balance in that's it yeah that's it that's it it's kind of it seems more and more as time goes on that it's just kind of more about making the right thing for the right type of people and just knowing the people that are in that circle and just, I don't know. Yeah. It all seems very kind of systematical and not, you know, not just about making the best, most honest music. Mm. It's just, you know, it's just how, what situation you're in and how much support and backing you've got and stuff. But that'll come over time, I guess, but it's just, you know, it's, there's so much that's hidden in the dark in this music industry mm-hmm. and Definitely. you try and figure it out but it's like everyone's got their own way and 
yeah <laughs> I don't know if that's do you like do you sort of i don't know does anything does anything come up like in terms of ideas of how maybe artists or fans uh, like what people can do to promote expression and push back against censorship within the music industry just in general mm. um honestly i think just as much in-person stuff as possible mm. um like as many shows and kind of workshops and just real life interactions as possible are always the best way because like trying to push um you know push things that like that you know that are like real kind of important matters over so social media is you know, obviously, it's it's important to try and do it over there and and to push things as much as you can on social because it's such a wide audience. However, it can just get so lost amongst mm. all the bullshit that's all yeah, over the internet definitely. that like so many things cannot be even noticed or really realised. But if you you know if you reach people in real life and are able to have real conversations, from my personal experience the effect that that can have on me and on other people is almost always so much greater than, than, you know, just seeing something on a video or just doing something. So I think try and push, push things in every area, but like try and make sure you're, you're in, in, you know, you're in and around people where you can share ideas and do things. Cause I think the power is with the people that you really have with mm. you, you know? So like there's this emphasis on community within Within music, different genres, especially or just like different causes, or just just generally in, yeah. in, in music, I think that's yeah, I think that's it's really brilliant. That is something we touch on, just like the the sense of community and mm. unity that music does think, tend to bring. Definitely, I think honestly, the more as time goes on, like I had a really nice conversation with my friend about this the other day. I think above all else, like the main thing that you get from pursuing a life as a creative is the community that you build mm. because you know some people will make it out and make a load of money and like get a load of possessions and stuff rah, 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 but like that's hard to attain and that's hard to maintain and above all that shouldn't really be well, i can't say it shouldn't really be the guy it depends why you're getting into it and what your reason is but i mean for a lot of people i know and a lot of people i respect you know the most valuable thing that comes from being a creative and being an artist is the community of people that you build along the way and just the amount of amazing people that you wouldn't have met had it not been for this thing that you love doing and I think that's where all the real growth actually comes from from these people and it's definitely how it has been for me because it's just nice being able to kind of go to these different spaces and just know people for these different things that we all do and that seems more valuable to me than anything else, really. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Silent Noise. We hope you enjoyed and learned a thing or two about a thing or two. Next episode, we'll be talking to Philip Inman of The Guardian regarding censorship post-COVID and the music industry throughout it. And we hope you have a lovely day. <laughs>